Welcome back, everybody. This is Dr. Christy Smurl from Healthier Vibrations. Today, I wanted to share with you a class excerpt from my annual advanced nutrition course. I hope you enjoy it. Stay tuned and keep an eye out for online classes as well as live webinars on healthiervibrations.com. Discuss a lot of information today, but I think I always say that. <laughs> so the first thing I want to say, A, do not radically change your diet unless you know that it is appropriate, suitable for you. If you've got health conditions, diabetes, you're on multiple medications, you have to ask your family doctor before you make radical changes. Okay. What we're going to talk about today, first we're going to talk about why are we talking about advanced nutrition? Like, why is it so important? Is this just a fanatic topic that we discuss? Is this just something that is over the top on nutrition? No. This is rather than over the top, we're going deeper into the microscience of nutrition. So I'll share with you later on why I feel this subject is even more important in this day and age. We're also going to talk about what we call macronutrients and a science-based orientation so that we really understand why we should be tracking, eating, or not eating certain types of food. Last class, we talked all about Ayurveda. Vata, Pitta, Kapha, food types, etc. Now this is going to hone that in even tighter. We're going to talk about fasting quite a bit today. Um, and the different types of fasting, how you fast, how you don't fast, how you break a fast, how you don't break a fast. Why you fast and why you shouldn't fast. Okay. We're also going to be talking about um, in relationship to maximum health and nutrition of macronutrients, bringing in the concept of ketogenics, but looking at it from a standpoint of health science also through Ayurveda. Because I hear a lot of people say, but how do you compare ketogenics through Ayurveda, and they're very closely related. And I'll pull out all the facts as to why that type of nutrition shift can work. And we'll also talk about why that nutrition shift may not be appropriate for everybody as well. Okay? We're going to talk about the difference between veganism and vegetarianism. We're going to talk about the health benefits and some of the negative health benefits as well, or, you know what I mean. <laughs> we're also going to talk about the concept of what we choose to eat and our responsibility to our environment and our socio-economical and moral obligations as well. Okay. First thing I want to start off by saying, I'm not promoting any diet. I'm not promoting vegetarianism. I'm not promoting veganism. I'm not promoting um, ketogenics. I'm just going to tell you about it and you choose what's best for you. Because I think I've tried all of them. <laughs> and I've come to a happy medium rather than a militant view of who I am based off of what I eat. And before we go too far into nutrition, 
that's one of the biggest things that I want to make sure that nobody feels A, food shamed. B, that nobody feels health shamed, unhealthy or super healthy, because it goes both ways. In this society, I see a lot of people who are less healthy shaming people who are more healthy. And then you have the opposite, the healthier people shaming the unhealthy people. And as the type of people who we are, studying what we're studying, there should be none of that. No judgments, no emotive type of associations with our food. We're just talking the science of nutrition. Okay? So I want to talk about some of the core fundamental reasons why thinking of nutrition in an advanced manner is absolutely critical. Okay. Now, when we are children, how much do we actually learn about nutrition? As children? As children. Nothing. We don't really learn about nutrition as children. I never took a nutrition class in school. I never learned about the difference between a carbohydrate, a complex carbohydrate. How much do we learn about nutrition, let's say, in my situation with medical training? I made it through RN school. I made it through nurse practitioner school, my advanced master's degree. I didn't learn much extensive information about nutrition until my Ayurvedic doctorate program. So the vast majority of the population are going off of nutrition models based off of what? Where did they learn how to eat appropriately? Parents. Parents. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> the food industry. That's yeah. where they learned about nutrition. <laughs> or the, the pyramid. We're going to discuss that pyramid. <laughs> where else do we learn how to eat good? Oh, well, good. I don't know. Where, where do we eat? Where, Our grandparents. What is influencing us to eat? <laughs> Commercials. See around us. Media. Commercials. Media. Media. Convenience. Budget. Thank you. Budget is a huge contributor to nutrition. People say they can't eat healthy because it costs too much. Absolutely. I have clients out at the hospital. I'll say, oh, I need you to eat healthier. And they'll say, look, I can feed my family of five from McDonald's yeah. before I can go buy some organic lettuce. Doesn't that suck? You know, that, that can be difficult. So money can be a big contributor to how we do or don't eat. Another thing that really contributes to how we eat and what patterns we see and how we learn to eat, we talked about media, but media also plays in a big influence on the psychology of eating. Drink a whatchamacallit, you know, whatever it is. I'm not going to list Gatorade. all brands. <laughs> and it's going to make you strong. It's going to make you an athlete. Drink this. It's refreshing. Eat that. It's sexy somehow. <laughs> you know, I don't know. You know? commercials, they always have that sexy girl. Right? Yeah. And, and, and it really is. <laughs> yes. it really, let's keep... <laughs> Please. Sorry. It is important that we understand where we are receiving our influence to eat what. So we talked about our family origins teaching us how to eat. But we are many, many, many generations removed now from actually 
eating healthy. Mm. And I often share that my concept of healthy eating came differently because I walked out in the front yard and picked strawberries, radishes, carrots, apples, a potato, minus the potato bug. <laughs> we have become sterilized in what we eat also. We go to a grocery store and there's a whole aisle of food called chips and cereal. Is that like a food group now? <laughs> and it's amazing how people do not understand what they are eating. They simply buy it in the store because it's there, it's available, it's colorful. You know, they put the child's tempting foods lower down so they can see them. Mommy, mommy, I want this rainbow-colored cereal made of nothing but pure flour and sugar. There's nothing of value in it. It's garbage. You might as well give them a candy bar. So we need to first look at our relationship to where did we learn to eat and then challenge that in a healthy way. Like I said, no food shaming, no health shaming, just increased awareness. And why? Okay, yeah, we all want to be healthy, right? Healthy. First thing I want to talk about, when we eat healthy, we balance our doshas. We talked about doshas. They are our primary three physiological functions that control everything in the body in Ayurveda. We want to eat healthy so that we have healthy dhatus, our tissue layers. If we are junk in, what is that doing to build our tissues? Is it damaging our tissues? Sugar is calories, right? Some calories are better than no calories when you're starving on the streets. None of us are in that condition. We can make smarter choices because we know that excessive sugar aggravates excessive doshas and can cause tissue damage over time and provoke a whole cascade of disease processes. So we want to eat appropriate so that our tissues are properly developed, nourished, and maintained. We want to eat appropriately, and some of this seems kind of, you know, standard, but I want it set clear from the beginning. Another reason why we want to eat appropriate is to have our sharira, our body, our channels, our shrotas, all the channels of the body running clear, running freely without <clears throat> blockage, without congestion, which then causes disease. And we talked about in our advanced Ayurveda subject class that how many types of insanity were there? All of them but one are caused by diet and nutrition mm -hmm. and lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Insanity, diet, nutrition, and lifestyle origin-based. Only one category was exogenous causes. So when we think of that, you know, you say the word insanity and people are like, wow, that's really going over the edge. But it's diet is a very heavy, heavy key component in mental wellness. You know, we all want to feel good and meditate and do yoga, depending on what program you're studying. Food is critical. Okay. 
when we're eating the appropriate types of foods, quantity of foods, timing of foods, etc., it helps facilitate healthy ojas. And we've learned that in Ayurveda is our immune system. And that then translates out into our tejas, this life force, our prana flows better. Not only through the physical body, but also through the subtle body. People who eat healthier often are more enthusiastic, excited, and moving in life. Not always. I've met some people who ate really healthy and they were just grouchy cusses. <laughs> so it's not a guarantee to be enthusiastic or happy or even satisfied in life. Another thing I want to touch on, why nutrition is so important, is for Agni. We've talked a lot in our basic classes about Agni. Not only Jatar Agni, which is the digestive force and power within your gastrointestinal system, which converts all your food into essential nutrients. Like, why would you mess with that element? <laughs> That's liquid gold. <laughs> Bad Agni... That help, almost a guarantee, okay? We also want to maintain appropriate nutrition choices, not only according to the doshas and Ayurveda and the seasons, but food fuel types or lack thereof food in order to maintain our datu agni, the metabolism and fire or ability to transform in the tissue level. So remember Agni, we have Agni in the gut, we have Agni in the tissues. So each tissue layer, the Rasa, Rakta, Mamsa, Meda, Asti, Maja, Sukra, every single tissue layer has its own individual Agni. And when we're eating on an imbalanced scale, not just according to Ayurvedic doshic balancing, but if we're eating excessive carbohydrates versus another fuel type, it dampens the agni in our tissues and then sets up the stage for disease. Because we understand in Ayurveda, if you've taken the Ayurvedic course, that the only way disease will manifest in a tissue layer, aside from an external force of some type, is when there is a weakness in that tissue layer. So keeping the physical body, the tissue layers properly um, in the right kind of nutrition setting is critical. Because when you start getting a weakness, and a weakness doesn't mean just a deterioration, it can also be clogging, congestion, overnutrients in one tissue layer versus another that sets up that disease platform, okay? We also have talked about Bhutta Agni. So we talked about Jatar Agni in the gut, Datu Agni in the tissues, but Bhutta Agni. And we have our Panchamahabhutas, our five main elements of Ayurveda. Bhutta is that element, and each of the five elements in your body has its own Agni. So depending on the type of food you're choosing, you are creating workload or lack thereof workload 
of the Agni for that element. So it goes all the way down to the little microscopic elements in the bottom. And it is important what food we choose. Okay? All right. Last thing I want to talk about on this particular subject is clearance of mala. So we talked in Ayurvedic class how mala is our excretions, our waste products, our sweat, our urine, our stool. And depending on what types of foods we are eating will influence how we are excreting our malas. Who wants to hold on to a bunch of waste? No, we want everything flowing appropriately. And depending on what type of food you choose or don't choose, it can make a huge difference. Huge difference. Okay? We'll talk about that more like with the workload of the gut in relationship to fasting. Okay? Alright. So, next thing I want to talk about is the importance of advanced nutrition emotionally and mentally. Okay, we talked more about physical body importance, and I want to lay down the foundation also for a slightly different vein of why we should eat clean, balanced, and with knowledge. Okay. When we are eating appropriate for our body, the appropriate fuel types, it increases our smriti, our memory. We talked about Ayurveda class, how too much vata food causes anxiety, insomnia, hyperactivity. Too much pitta food causes agitation, irritation, anger. Too much kapha food causes heaviness, dullness, mental fogginess, depression. Well, depending on what type of food type you choose, aside from Ayurveda, it does the same effect with the mind. And we'll talk about that when we're talking about different food fuel types. Depending on the type of food you choose, you can also exhibit the mind qualities of more peaceful, sattva, or tamas, heavy and dull, or rajas, agitated. When you are eating correctly, your shottas in your mind will run clearer. We talked about the origin of insanity is when the um, matter of the food begins to congest the different shrotas, congest the shrotas of the heart, congest the shrotas of the brain, and causes mental derailment. So it goes beyond just the vata, pitta, food, and seasonal changes too. Even Ayurveda has a whole schedule of fasting. Okay, we'll talk more about that. Um, when we're eating appropriately for our body type and our fuel type needs, activity levels, it is also important for the functioning of our sense organs. Okay. So we've talked in detail in some of our more basic classes how these sense organs are affected not only by the external care of them, but also by the internal forces that control them. Last thing I want to touch about is creating an Anamaya kosha capable of being infused with optimal levels of prana for conscious development and spiritual evolution. Okay. If your body is battling with the food that you are feeding it, where is your prana moving towards? If your body is running clear 
if your body is running as optimal as possible, your prana will be running as optimal as possible. When your prana is functioning and moving as optimal as possible, then that's when you get into why everybody is here. For conscious evolution. For mental well-being. You know, why do we do yoga, meditation, and these different practices that we're also learning? Because we want to be zen out and peaceful, yeah? We want to move away from suffering. We want to live our best life. We want to fulfill our mission here in this physical incarnation. But when did we lose track of what to eat? Because our society doesn't focus on that a lot. And when it does, it's you need to go on a diet with a negative connotation on that word diet. So when we're looking at our advanced nutrition concepts, first thing we need to make sure of is do you have an imbalance in your dhatus? Okay, so if the tissues are imbalanced, that needs to be one of the primary focuses of getting it back in balance. So let's take, for instance, the medo datu, the fat datu layer. If that is out of balance, what is happening to the layers past that? We've talked about that, that those nutrients are suffering. The fat datu will say, I am in charge, I am the biggest, and I will take what I want. First, picks. And then the Agni is moving in a different manner in that datu, potentially throwing off all the other Agnis in the body. Yeah. So we want to evaluate ourselves first for any datu imbalances. Do we have a datu weakness? Do we have osteoporosis, osteopenia, and easy fracturing? And why? And how can we change that relationship? We need to always look at our prakruti and vikruti first. So even though we're not going to focus on Ayurveda today, we need to look at what is your constitution and what type of nutritional changes is appropriate for your specific constitution. Are you a kapha constitution? Are you a pitta constitution? Are you a vata constitution? And what is your vikruti? Where is your imbalance? So you can be what the constitution and be completely kapha aggravated. So you have to take that into consideration when we're looking at nutritional changes or potential modifications. We'll talk a lot more about this later on, but when we're talking about nutrition, one of the other introductory concepts to always keep in mind, what is your activity level? Do you have a desk job? Do you walk 10 minutes back and forth to your car? Do you run in the morning? Do you walk? Are you on your feet but not necessarily active? Are you doing cardiovascular work? And how much, how long, how intense? That's going to make a big difference what type of modifications you do or don't make, do and don't need. Okay. So one thing I want to emphasize, <clears throat> there is no one-size-fits-all. Mm -hmm. ever mm -hmm. in nutrition or Ayurveda. 
We want to look at comorbidities. So anytime we're talking about changing nutrition or diet, we need to ask, are there any metabolic diseases, diabetes, endocrine problems, kidney problems, dialysis, etc. And if so, then that has to be cleared through thyroid doctor no matter what. Because you can make one modification in your diet, and if you are insulin dependent, we could have an immediate crash. Couple last things I wanted to touch about is also age. Age does make a difference. We talked about the stages of life in Ayurveda, childhood versus mid-adulthood versus later life, and how you're influenced by either Kapha, Pitta, or Watha in those stages. And it makes a difference what you should be choosing because it affects your Vyakuti, potentially. You may not go out of balance but you have a higher potential of creating different balances in the doshas depending on what stage of life you're in. And that should influence your nutrition. Like who thinks about all these things on a daily basis when they go into the kitchen to eat? We should all be thinking about this to feel our best. We're not talking about looking our best. We're not talking about, you know, um, this media-induced uh, fear of not looking good enough. We're talking about feeling our best. Okay? And the other thing I want to talk about on this introduction is who's tracking their food? Actually tracking the food. Today I have eaten this food group, this fuel type, in this quantity, and for a reason, and I've had this many calories and this much fiber. And we're gonna talk a lot more about that, okay? I wanna talk about nutritional planning, okay? Before we go into any of the subjects, nutritional planning is the only way you will get control over your health through nutrition. The only way. If you eat out every day, you are not in control necessarily of what you're eating. Unless you eat somewhere that has very simple, clean, measurable, known ingredients. So let's say we go to a restaurant and we order um, salad with dressing and it comes with bread, butter, noodles, pasta. You have no idea what the ingredients are. You don't know what the quality of the noodles are. You don't know what the quality of the sauce is. You don't know how much salt they put in. You don't know how much sugar is in. You don't know how much oil is put in it. You don't know the quality of the oil in it. It sure tastes good. Uh -huh. It's delicious. But you have no control over your fuel. It is yummy. And it is filling. But it is releasing control over your nutrition to a restaurant. Usually people will say, well, come on, Christy, are you just a fuddy-dud? You never eat out? No, not really. I don't. <laughs> uh, I just don't. It's not a luxury that I want anymore. And that can be a really hard subject when you're used to being on the go, mm -hmm. out and about. And when you work all week long, you deserve that delicious meal, mm -hmm. right? I deserve to go out and splurge. And I agree, go splurge, enjoy, but be aware of what you're putting in your mouth and why. If 
health has become to that level where you are monitoring what you eat. Okay. Now, when you are shopping, that's a whole nother subject. Where do we shop? Ralph's, Data Brothers, Vaughn's. And when you walk in, you walk down one aisle, it's liquor chips. And the next aisle is cookies and cereal, snack foods. And the other aisle is canned vegetables, canned beans, canned fruit, and condiments. Mm -hmm. And there's another aisle, it's breads, bagels, muffins, cookies. And then if you walk just the perimeter of the store, you've got your dairy, your meat, your fruits, your vegetables. That's not necessarily the best type of shopping, unless you stay on that periphery. Because once you go down an aisle, you're moving into processed foods, period. Period. Unless you're just looking for mustard, you're going to get out of there. Because <laughs> okay? it's tempting. It's colorful. It's excellent marketing. The food industry spends billions of dollars a year, billions of dollars a year, on packaging, marketing, and studying the craveability and addictive qualities of food. They put specific ingredients in it to create this phenomenon of craving that you want more. Not only do you want more of it in that sitting, but you want to go get it again. And it came in a pretty container. It looked nice. So we need to think about that when we're choosing food. How many people write down a list of foods based off what they need and they only go get that? Like mission target food. Yep. It is so important. It is so important. Especially if you go to the grocery store when you're hungry. <laughs> that can really get some trouble going. If you shop while you're hungry. If I'm hungry while I'm shopping, I stick only to my list. And if it wasn't on my list, I do not get it. Unless it's something that should have been on my list. But where else do we shop for our food? Online. Some people have food delivered online. What about the farmer's market? We talked about eating seasonally. When you go to the farmer's market in the winter and you ask for blueberries, they snicker at you. And they're like, that's not in season. <laughs> when I go to the farmer's market in January and I ask them where all the persimmons are, they snicker at me. They're like, it's not in season. So when we go to the grocery store, like we discussed in basic nutrition, we're not eating with seasons. Unless you know what is actually in season and that's what you're buying. So I highly recommend when you shop for food, write a list. Determine, pre-plan what you're going to eat. Who pre-plans their meals? How many days in advance? You know, just today, tomorrow. I'm usually a couple days ahead of myself. I know, all right, I ate this today. I'm going to vary my protein source. Oh, I've only had cruciferous vegetables this week. I need to move. It's winter time. I need something more cooked and soupy. I'm going to need these vegetables for a soup at some point in the next couple days and these ingredients and these spices. And when I go to the store, I stick with that. 
I don't veer from what I have determined to be my best nutritional choice. And the reason is when we don't plan it, you kind of become victim to yourself. I was driving in from Long Beach last night. I was so hungry. I was so hungry. I hadn't really planned on fasting. <laughs> and I said to myself, oh, I could just drive through. And I was like, no, I will not drive through. I refuse to feed myself something toxic based off the fact that I'm hungry. We're going to talk about that phenomenon of hungry and how it can drive you to do some strange things. <laughs> then I thought to myself, I'm going to go to the store real quick. Had no plan in mind, no meal planned in my head, and all I wanted was, if you know me, what cheese. did I want? Cheese. <laughs> all I wanted was cheese. And I thought to myself, no, you're going to go home, and you're going to have a protein drink because it's late at night anyways, and you have no business eating cheese at 8 p.m. <laughs> so we have to pre-plan, and even if you haven't pre-planned your food, think about what you're going to eat before you put it in your hand and before you put it in your mouth, and we're going to talk much more about that. Um, when we're doing nutritional planning, it's really important to keep it simple. Some people, they look at how I eat and they think it's kind of boring. You know, it's chop, serve. It's mix, serve. A little bit of cooking, chopping, and serving. Because I eat ingredients. I don't eat elaborate dishes with 40 ingredients in it. I don't purchase something in a box and, you know, cook it already processed. I just go for, I have some fiber, I have a fat, I have a protein, I have a little carbohydrate, oh, actually in my vegetable, that's enough. And I think about my food, my food and fuel type thinking rather than elaborate dish thinking. So sometimes the healthier you get to eating, it can look a little bit more boring but I call it clean and simple. I want my body running off of clean, simple fuel. Okay. What about when you're going to work? Events, friends' houses, holidays, <laughs> parties. <laughs> I love going to a good party. I love going to a friend's house. I love going out with people, but I don't eat with them. I just don't. People will say, let's go out to eat, Christy. And I'm like, I'm not that person. <laughs> I'll order some tea. But then they feel so strange that I'm not eating with them. And I have no bones about just saying, I'm not that person. I don't want to go out to eat. I won't enjoy it. And what kind of response do you get socially? Oh, you're the weird Shunned. one. Shunned. <laughs> oh, she's the difficult eater. Yeah. You pick when you want to eat because you have the issue. I get yes. that a lot. Or what do you eat? Right, what do you eat? Like, I, I, what do so, you eat? So people invite me over to eat, 
I'll mm -hmm. usually just avoid the eating time and show up a little bit later, you know. And I make the conscious decision to do that because that's how much my nutrition is important to me now. If you had caught me five, ten years ago, I'd go, yeah, come on over, what are you having? Some fettuccine, some what? It, it just didn't dawn on me how important it was. It really didn't. I mean, I ate well. I ate an appropriate quantity, per se, but I was not fueling my body off of clean fuel. So when you go to people's houses, you have to ask yourselves, are you going to bring your own food? Are you going to be that awkward guest that brings their own food to a dinner? Sometimes. I remember for Thanksgiving, I showed up one time at a big family meal with my own kitchen. They're like, oh, like, that's awkward. And I don't care because it's that important to me. What are you going to do when you go to work? You need to pre-plan that food to the best of your ability. Otherwise, lunch break comes and what do you do? You've got no food with you. Where do you go? Where do you go? Del Taco. Yeah. Some garbage food location. Potentially. Unless you're lucky and you've got somewhere nearby your house. I've got one place up the street that have phenomenally clean food. And I'm very pleased with it every time I eat it. But if I'm in San Bernardino with a hospital, what are my options? <laughs> Bakers? None. The cafeteria? Yeah, right. <laughs> microwaved pizza? Oh, yeah. The doctor's lounge? Oh, geez. I'll tell you for sure. No. You know, they're not healthy food options for me any longer. I used to think they were decent choices. Oh, I'll, I'll get the, the this dish instead. That's healthier for me. When the truth was, years ago, I didn't even realize none of it was healthy for me. None of it. So it really takes time to cultivate changes in how we see our nutrition and how far we're going to go. And I'll talk about that too, of how far I was not willing to go. Okay, Because when you challenge people's food, those are fighting words. Mm -hmm. yep. That's heritage tradition um there's so much that goes into food when you challenge somebody's food so i say don't challenge anybody else on their food only challenge yourself okay um i wanted to talk also just a little bit before we move on about the concept of tapas so we understand one of the yogic topics of tapas is fiery discipline changing your nutrition if that is one of your goals discipline is required it is required nobody wants to have this strict constraining relationship with food that's not pleasing that's not pleasant but sometimes we have to have a strict relationship to our food in order to reach our goals, to feel fantastic, to have a mind that is functioning clear and fantastic, to have a body that doesn't betray us in the morning, <laughs> to have a digestive system that is just pure and clean and happy. We all want that. But like one of my friends often says, if it was easy, Everybody would do it. 
<laughs> right? I believe that's what it said. If it was easy, everybody would do it. <laughs> Impeccable nutrition is not easy. It is not easy. When you're making changes, it can really cause a lot of mental resistance, social resistance, family resistance. What about the person who goes home, male or female, doesn't matter, and you have family members at home, or roommates, or friends who you live with, and you're all accustomed to eating together. But what are we having for dinner tonight? And then suddenly you come home and you're like, well, we're not eating anything I used to make anymore. Tonight I'm eating nothing. And everybody in the house goes like this. But what are we going to eat? You can fend for yourself. Yeah. That can cause a lot of household disruption. A lot. Especially if you're the person who normally is pre-planning, buying, bringing into the home, preparing, and serving the food. What about children? You have children. They're used to certain palates, different dishes that you normally make, and then all of a sudden you change it all up. Oh no, today we're eating broccoli. Just broccoli. <laughs> when they're young. Today I'm fasting. You can go eat something else. Are you going to make the food that you used to make for the child and then make something else for yourself? How do you sit and stand with yourself knowing that what you used to eat and prepare and now you're only preparing for your child or your family wasn't healthy to begin with? Now you've got this cognitive dissonance. I won't eat it anymore because I know it's not good for me. But my family still wants oh, it. Gosh. Therefore, I'm going to serve it and prepare it for them. Terrible. So changing your nutritional lifestyle can cause a lot of family resistance, household resistance, work resistance. Work resistance. One of the places I work at, it's kind of a lunch... Um, decompression behavior. We eat together. And we kind of decompress at lunch. Now I don't eat with anybody. I go in my office, I close the door, and I eat what I packed only. So it's caused kind of this disassociation between me and the staff. The drug reps come in. They have all this delicious food ready to serve me so that they can talk to me. They, they want to bend my ear. And I've got my office door shut. And they're like, we brought you food. I'm like, I don't want it. I don't want to eat it. No, thank you. And I close the door. So it can cause work disruptions or changes, social disruptions changes, family disruption changes. But it depends on how disciplined you are. How much do you want it? How much do you want to feel better? So think about those things in relationship to how easy or difficult it is to implement nutritional changes. You can run across a lot of resistance, or you can just say, this is for me, and I'm just going to do it with grace, with ease, without my own mental resistance. And if people love me, they'll say, that's okay, Christy. We don't have to go to Lucille's. <laughs> I'll come over and make you something. And I'm like, that'd be great. But I get to pick the ingredients. 
<laughs> okay. So before we take a break, um, I want to talk about detox. Very general. I want to talk about critical foods. Before we look at more advanced subjects of nutrition, let's just talk about what we need to get rid of, period, end of sentence. If you want to improve your health, these foods just need to go away completely, um, preferably permanently. And it's difficult when you challenge your nutrition and one of these things are on your list that you consume. So there's no judgment. Refined sugar. We're talking white processed sugar. But we're also going to talk about sugar in general. Okay. Processed candies. Who eats candy for lunch? I see people eat candy for lunch. I used to work in the ER 2 a.m. in the morning, hot tamales in my back pocket. Candy, you know, the red, red box. Walking down the hallway. Just emptying the box into my mouth like Tic Tacs. That was a meal at 2 a.m. Because I had to run from code to code. Why would we do that to ourselves? I was a nurse. I'm a nurse practitioner. Why am I eating hot tamales? Cognitive dissonance going on. Lack of knowledge and education about the end point. So processed candies. Processed drinks. Everybody wants a fancy beverage, yeah? A fancy beverage, a soda, a Gatorade, a um, canned iced tea with the fancy added ginseng, and don't forget the sugar and chemicals that are in it. You know what I call most of those drinks? Chemical crap storms. Read the ingredients. Get them out of your diet if at all possible, okay? If somebody was to offer me a soda right now and I was thirsty, I'd wait five more hours till I could have water. I would not drink it, okay? Highly refined breads. Flour in general needs to be approached with great respect. If you're going to eat flour-based foods, you need to really be thinking about it. Noodles, pastas, mm -hmm. tortillas, and breads. Okay, and we'll talk about that when we get into carbohydrates. But if you eat a lot of bread-based products, flour-based products, that's a red flag right there. Okay, I'm not saying eliminate it completely, but when I'm in this particular category, we need to take a look at, especially the highly processed breads and pastas, just get rid of them. A white tortilla? What is that? What is that? Other than yummy. Other than yummy. Okay, what is it? Bleached, refined flour and processed sugar. If I came up to you and just offered you a bowl full of flour and sugar and said, here you go. Oh, and let me throw a little lard on top of it, too. Would you eat that? Would you eat those ingredients? Then why would you eat five flour tortillas in a sitting? If you weren't willing to eat that bowl, and this is where we have to have that disassociation of tasty treat, and we have to think, what are the ingredients I'm consuming? Okay? And then it's like, oh, eh, party crasher over here. 
we need to look at how much artificial sweeteners we're consuming and why we are consuming them. Why are we consuming them? Why would you consume spartan? Knowing all the research behind these artificial ingredients. And if you don't know the research behind them, go home and research them. I won't sit here and tell you all about them. Our they bodies are, crave sugar. Huh? Our bodies crave sweet. Our bodies crave sweet. And why? Because we have eaten so much sugar. Did you know that under uh, imaging that sugar lights up the same regions of the brain as cocaine? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just as addictive. I don't even know if I have sugar in the house. I think I have some coconut sugar I bought for the butterflies or something. But sugar, we've talked about. What about the artificial sugar? People will say, I need two packets of Splenda in my tea. And I just go like this. Don't do it. Don't do it. And they look at me like I'm a fanatic. Stop eating artificial sweeteners, period. If they're in your diet, get rid of them completely, okay? If you need the research on it, research. You'll be shocked. The next thing we need to look at for a full evaluation of just getting rid of the junk right off the top, frozen meals, frozen burritos, frozen jalapeno poppers, Frozen pizza, big, big man meals, hefty, uh, new, uh, pre-packaged, you name it. it. The list goes on and on. Just walk down the freezer aisle. Get out of the freezer aisle. Unless it's like organic, coconut, no sugar, ice cream. <laughs> but most of the stuff in your freezer section, just stop buying. If you open up my freezer, you're going to see a bunch of Ayurveda groups. There's not even ice in there. Somebody asked me this morning, she was like, do you have ice? I was like, ice? I don't have ice. <laughs> it's all full of herbs, medicaments. I do not eat frozen food, period. Once in a blue moon, maybe my daughter will ask for some frozen jalapeno poppers or something. <laughs> That's extremely, extremely rare. You better be having a sleepover for me to whip out that toxic garbage, okay? So if you eat frozen meals, challenge yourself solid on that. Get rid of them. You will feel healthier immediately by getting rid of frozen food. Another thing that I say get completely, get rid of processed meats. Processed meats in particular. Sausage. Um... Jimmy Dean patties of this sort and that sort. They're very high in chemicals. If you're going to have them, make them an extreme, extreme minimum. Other thing I recommend getting rid of completely, if possible, cookies, cakes, pastries, french fries, potato chips. It's like, what? What? You just take away all the grocery store fun stuff. Take away all the fun. This is garbage food. Garbage food. And I'm not here to judge anybody. It's garbage. Okay? And if you don't believe it's not garbage, believe it. Let's look at a potato chip. What is it? 
It's a potato that has been mass produced. Not only is it a nightshade, it's inflaming. Mm -hmm. It is also not organic. It's grown in large scale industry where this root plant is down in the ground absorbing all the pesticides so that they can make it in mass quantities. So it's absorbed all the toxins. And now we slice it very thinly and we cook it up in canola oil, which we'll discuss later also. It is junk upon junk. What's a cookie? Now we're not talking about my mom's cookies that are like, I don't know, flax seeds, chia seeds, and you know, just like these dense, delicious ingredients. We're talking chips ahoy, different things like this. What is it? Flour and sugar with some sort of canola oil, some sweeteners, some added preservatives. If I just handed you the ingredients that were required to make those delicious grocery store cookies, would you eat just the ingredients? No, you wouldn't. Because it doesn't taste good just as plain ingredients. But the food industry puts it together in a way that is addictive and delicious. Crunchy, sweet, yummy with that gooey little chocolate chip. (laughs) Along with the perfect amount of crunch. Look in your cabinets. Not only only that, they have liquid formulations that they just little droplets. Literally to convince the taste buds that you want this. I want this. Billions of dollars a year to check what causes addictive behaviors to food. So if you're buying it at the store, just know somebody has spent a lot of money to make sure that you're hooked on it or could get hooked on it. Now, the other thing I recommend getting rid of deep fried foods, especially if you're buying it outside of your home. Who deep fries in their home? Some, some, some people, some people are deep fried turkey or something like that. I don't know. Um, but deep fried foods, I could maybe see something really clean. But for the most part, when you're looking at deep fried foods, it's garbage. Especially if you're getting it outside of your home. What's it deep fried in to begin with? Yeah. Garbage oil. Garbage oil. Yeah. Okay. I guarantee you, the worst, worst quality oil ever. And we're going to discuss why that choice of oil is critical in your health. Other things I recommend getting rid of completely, refined vegetable oils in your house. Okay. Particularly canola oil, corn oil, soybean oil cottonseed oil okay don't cook with those if they're in your cabinet just take them out of your cabinet and we'll talk about the importance of that um last thing i want to talk about fast food fast food we're in a fast-paced society we're on the go we're moving we're shaking right if you haven't pre-planned your food you're going to be like me, driving home. Oh, I'm so hungry. There's in and out <laughs> Oh, there, no, no, I don't eat any of that anymore. No. And I had to just shake my head the whole way home. No, no. Neon lights. Look, there's an arrow pointing to <laughs> the freeway. And they're all right by the freeway. 
They're on the corners of the exits. So convenient, so quick, so tempting. I could just drive through and get a, um, a spicy potato taco. No, I refused. I just stayed hungry because I value my temple, my body, my mind functioning, my memory, and my health way more than I value animal-style french fries. <laughs> Notice I say it with a smile because they are so delicious. They cause this immediate happy feeling in me. But I won't do it. It's not worth knowing that I'm eating potatoes that are non-organic and full of chemicals mm -hmm. that have been deep-fried mm -hmm. in low-quality, damaging unhealthy oils, probably canola oil, doused with what? Salt. Not even, not we're not even talking Himalayan salt or sea salt. We're talking just nasty chemical salt. And then a bunch of condiment gooey on it. What? Mayonnaise? Mayonnaise? Ketchup? Special sauce. I don't even know what's in the special sauce. But it's delicious. We know for sure it's delicious. And we know for sure that my brain says, do it. Do it. It's so good. My brain wants it. it I just see the sign and I want it. Because the food industry knows what will hook you. So I simply refuse. So we'll talk a lot about these things. Um, let's take about a five minute break. Does anybody have a question before we move on? This was kind of like soapbox material for me. <laughs> but it's important to lay these foundations before we start talking about the different changes we can make. We want to talk about why is it so important. Yes? Not really a question, but <clears throat> just a finish here. When I shop for food, the first thing I do is read the ingredients. Yes. If I can't pronounce it, if I don't know what it is, I don't buy it. No. And, and th that's a good point. If you don't know what the ingredient is, question whether or not you want to buy it. I prefer to buy things that don't have ingredients. I like to just buy the ingredients. <laughs> if at all possible. You know, I, I, I want to just buy the, the zucchini, the, the whole food, rather than purchasing something with ingredients that I have to decipher. Any, any questions? I have a comment as well. Yes. So we were talking about the cultural aspect of food and being, especially when you're out in public. And my son has been a vegan for 15 years and very well-mannered young man. When he goes to a restaurant, he is very mannered when he asks for adjustment. So we go out last night, we're in a restaurant. My friend orders a quesadilla to which she has choices of cheese, chicken, and steak. My son orders a margarita pizza and has only asked for the cheese to be removed and he gets an eye roll. Gets an eye roll for going out to a restaurant as a vegan and Google asking for eyes. one modification. And this goes along with what we were talking about, about health shaming, food right. shaming. Right. I'll go to a restaurant and say, oh, what kind of, what, the chimichurri sauce? What kind of oil is it made of? Mm -hmm. And they're like, canola oil. Okay, can I just not have sauce? And they look at me like, come on, lady. Yeah. Don't be a fanatic. Or I'll say, could I please have hot water? Right. And you, you get the eye roll. Right. The, you're the difficult consumer. Right. 
And, you know, I'm always <laughs> polite and sweet about the modifications I want. But you get the role. You get it. Yes. The eye roll. Yes. I used to would have been that person, but I think yoga has, has turned me. I would have, in my mind, if I would have said, oh, he doesn't want chilies because I'd still eat cheese, I would have said, ooh, they like more vegetables. So I would have said, would right. you like extra something else right. on it? Because yeah, right. yeah. that would have been probably enhanced my tip. Right. 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 Amen. So, and it did. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Right, but you should, in if somebody that's the way they eat, then just encourage that behavior right. even more. If it's not, they're not asking you to not have cheese on your pizza. <laughs> Correct. But what I think, and yeah. that's another subject that I do want to talk about. We talked about food shaming people towards us. Don't be the food shamer. Right. Don't be the food shamer. You know, I uh, so many times in my life I walk around amongst people who you know, have this concept of like, oh, I'm healthier than you, or I'm more conscientious than you, I'm more spiritually evolved than you, and they look at your meal like, mm, and there's judgment. Don't be a judgy, healthier person, because there's somebody who's even healthier than you, and you don't see them looking and judging your food, okay? So, okay, not too far off topic. Um, how's audio for everybody at home? Everybody hears. I hope you enjoyed that segment of class. If you're interested in taking more classes with me online or live webinars, visit my website, healthiervibrations.com. Until then, Dr. Christy Smurl, signing out.